Amen. Well, guys, grab your Bible. Make your way with us to the book of 2 Corinthians. Sunday mornings, we journey verse by verse through this book together, and so we're excited to be here in this passage this morning. We're hoping you brought a Bible and you're making your way there now. If you didn't, there's Bibles in front of you. Grab one of those uh, there, page number on the screen. Use an electronic device if that's how you like reading the Bible there, but be in the Bible. Be in the Word of God with us. That's true here. That's true online. That's true in our overflow. Hey, we invite you to have this, this your, the Word of God open before you, and that God Himself would speak to you, that we'd hear His voice, hear what He has to say to us, and that that would be made clear to us. Hey, as we're heading into that, we're going to take a moment and pray, but before that, just a quick FYI. So if you've been with us, we are making our way through 2 Corinthians, and we now find ourselves in a section uh, that's going to deal with maybe a, a difficult topic. We're going to be talking about money and be talking about giving. It really kind of flows that way from chapter 8 to chapter in chapter 9. And I want to just talk to you about that as we head there. I, I'm not embarrassed about it. At the same moment, I recognize it's a sensitive subject, but I want you to make sure that you're just tracking with me where we are. Why are we talking about this? Well, because we work verse by verse through the Bible. One of the things that you do when you do that, you talk about everything that God wants you to talk about in the space and the place that you want you to talk about that. So that's what we're doing. I mean, we're, not, we're here just talking about it from there. This isn't a giving campaign. Uh, this isn't trying to get something. We're just going to be talking about what that is and, and allow that to work into our lives. Let me also add this. It'll flow a little bit more later in the chapter. We'll probably get to next week. But if you don't know, one of the things that we do here is giving, is we both do that very, very carefully, uh, but very, very privately. And so I actually have no idea. We've kind of just kind of geared the church in a way that personally for me, I have no idea who gives. I have no idea how much you give, and I don't even want to know. I mean, that's between you and God, but that frees us this morning. That frees me just to be able to talk to you from the Word of God. So if you feel like I'm looking at you in a way that you think, oh, I think he knows, I think, I mean, he's, he's just, he's talking, I have no idea. I, I, this isn't about me. It isn't about this church. It isn't about some kind of fundraising thing. We just want the Word of God to work into your life. And so that's going to give you freedom uh, to just say, God, this is just, I just want to hear what you have to say to me today. I just want to hear what that is, and I want to invite you to that. So let's go before him in prayer and ask that he would do that, that he would take his Word, helping you and I to understand what he has for us. Father, right here we come and we ask, we thank you that your word is right. I think about how you tell us everything necessary for life and godliness. You've given to us in these words, in your promises, so that in Christ we can have life, the life that you have for us. God, that's good, and it's good for us even right now to come and just say, as we journey through this verse by verse, we want to hear what you have to say. God, you know, uh, this can be one of those sensitive subjects, and, and just recognizing that, I pray against that. I pray against anything that would have us barricading our heart from you, but in just the freedom of this moment and just the goodness of your word, would you help us to hear hear what you want to say to us, what you have for our lives, and what that would look like. God, you know us personally, and the journey that you have us on, it is a personal one. It's an individual one where you're growing us in you and your ways. I love that you do that. And I simply pray for it now that you would take this morning and then give us understanding, but personally speak to us in those things that you have for us. We ask for that together right now, and we ask for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Jesus said, where your treasure is, your heart is. Or where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. In a very simple phrase, he gives us maybe the most accurate understanding about what money is and how it works. The Bible has a lot to say about it, has a lot to say about our money, but most of the time, it's right in this space, that this is a unique window. It's a unique gauge that lets us gaze past our opinion, past our kind of, you know, whatever feelings we have and say, okay, what's actually there? And our heart, you know, is really often geared and, and, and shown here, and that's exactly where we're going to go this morning, is God wants to talk to us about what that should look like. Like, what should that be, and, and what should it be that we're wanting to see in the midst of that? 
Well, before we dive into that and begin working our way through, just a couple quick FYIs. Paul's talking here in 2 Corinthians chapters 8 and 9 about a very specific, specific love offering that he's gathering. If you've read through the book of Acts, you know that it happened the first time when a prophet named Agabus had come down and said, hey, there's going to be a famine. There's going to be a famine that's going to hit the whole world. And the church recognized that the church in Jerusalem, that Christians who were there in Jerusalem were going to suffer incredibly, both because the persecution was greater, but also because becoming a Christian in that moment ostracized you from both family and connection. And so Christians suffering in Jerusalem, it was a huge you know, problem. And so as Christians were you know, getting saved in the Gentile world, they took up an offering. And, and they, Paul would take that offering to Jerusalem to meet that present need. Now, that's important that you understand that because that'll help it make sense. And, and a lot of the things we want to talk about in these next two chapters, nevertheless, the principles that he's going to talk about apply to the whole thing. Apply to our tithes, our offerings, special offerings, how we see what's happening in the world and how we see in the midst of it. And so it's going to be able to help us to see both you know, what Paul was talking about, but again, it's going to be reflective uh, into our own lives. And so with that, let's notice where it begins. There in verse 1, it says it this way to us, Moreover, brethren, we make known to you the grace of God bestowed Uh, on the churches in Macedonia, that in great trial of affliction and the deep abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded in the riches of their liberality. Pause there and begin and understand the very first thing that he lets us know about this, he's going to talk about this giving and this gift that they're bringing, is he articulates it and says, hey, this this is the grace of God. This is a gift of the grace of God. That's an incredible space that we want to talk about for a moment, and I want you to understand it's always that way. In fact, in these two chapters, he's going to describe giving in about a dozen different terms, but eight times he's going to use this word to talk about what giving should look like in our life, that it's grace, that it's the grace of God. Now, you probably understand that. It's one of those terms that's a normal term. It's one of the you know, terms that is just a part of our lives in big ways. But it's good just to remind ourselves that grace is unmerited favor. Grace is a gift, favor, blessing that we don't deserve. It's being given to us, but it's meant to bring joy. In fact, the word for grace, caro, is actually the idea that, that has the root of joy, that, that this is something that's giving joy and it's an incredible thing. When we think about grace, it's how we're saved, right? Amazing grace, how sweet the sound. We think about there in Ephesians, it says, for by grace you have been saved. Through faith, that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. If you're a follower of Jesus this morning, you didn't do that. It's not your works, it's a gift. It's a gift that God gave us by grace, undeserved favor that he and his kindness sent his son for us so that we are not the source of it. He is. It's not of us. It's him that he gave us this whole thing. And so the challenge that he wants us to understand is that when we think about giving uh, of our finances, it's not something actually that we're giving to God. It is something that he is giving to us. It's not something that we're supplying to him. It's something he's supplying to us because here's the reality. Everything we have is from Him. Everything that we have is from Him. And so giving is acknowledging that everything flows from Him. Think about it this way. Paul would say it in uh, 1 Corinthians. What do you have? So what is it you have right now that you could honestly say you made all by yourself? Everything we have is from Him. We are not self-made people. We didn't create ourselves. We didn't design ourselves. Uh, The source of the world is His, and everything we ultimately have, it's because He gave it to us. So that when we are able to give, we're only giving Him what He first gave us. David would say it this way. He says, who am I and who are my people that we should be able to offer so willingly as this? For all things come from you and of your own, we've given back to you. Hey, David's talking about a special offering there that was being raised for the temple. In fact, for homework, if anybody wants to read it, that's a good chapter to read. Just read Second Chronicles, uh, first, I'm sorry, First Chronicles 29 and see that whole place because it gives another example of this. But once more, he says, here's the thing. We're not giving God anything. 
that he didn't first give us. If this all by itself could be clear to you, if you got this all by itself, it would change the way it works. See, here's the problem. For some of you here this morning, maybe just a few, I hope only a few, but sometimes when we think about giving, we get the idea that we're giving God something as if he was lacking. And, and, and so, you know, we've come to say, well, poor God, you know, he's trying to do things. He needs my help, you know, just, you know, okay, God, I'll, I'll be glad to, you know, give you something that you don't have. God has everything. He, everything is his. He's, you know, every, he says, what do I have? You, you, there's nothing we could give to him that he doesn't already have. He's not lacking. No, giving is recognizing God you've given everything I have, everything I am. And, and so giving is my way of, of acknowledging him as the giver. It, it's my way of saying, God, I recognize everything I have is not me. Everything I have is from you. And that all by itself would change things radically. God doesn't need us. God isn't looking to something for us as if somehow he was lacking. No, he is wanting us to receive grace, that our whole lives would be built in this grace. Well, the way it worked out for the church there, Paul says it, you know, he says they've been, had this grace bestowed upon them. The churches around Archaea, which is Macedonia, had, had, were giving this way, and so Paul is telling them about them. Verse 2, he says, In great trial of affliction, an abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded in the riches of their liberality. I'll say it this way. Giving, the way that God wants it to be done, is simple faithfulness. Simple faithfulness. Well, it uses the term their liberality. So he's talking about the ways that churches were doing this. He says, hey, these ones are doing it in, the, in their liberality. They're, they're giving in, in a very, uh, just a good way. And, and the word liberality is, in many ways, the opposite of double-mindedness. Uh, it's a single focus, a simple uh, kind of thing. It's kind of, you know, what you see, what you get. Hey, it's not like, you know, I'm saying one thing and living something else. There's something just beautifully simple about it. And so as Paul is telling us how the churches were doing it that way, he says, you know, he says it's, they did it in their trials of affliction. It was joyful to them, even in their deep poverty. That trials, poverty don't change it. It isn't really in the midst of it that those things aren't there. What he's really looking for is this, that it is supposed to be that way. So true giving, the way that God's looking for it in our lives, it isn't to be changed by that. It isn't to be just when I can. It's not meant to be a tip. It's, it's really a space of honoring him in that. So our journey with God is different. And so I recognize your journey is probably different than mine, but I'm going to be a little bit, just talk to you about how God worked this in my life. And, and if it's helpful to see that in somebody else, recognizing it might be different in you because he just brings us to this. But I, I think about when God got a hold of my life and saved me and began working this in me, this was just foreign to me. I mean, I didn't grow up in church. I didn't grow up in any of those spaces. And so it was just difficult in some ways. I was just kind of, I'm a slow learner as a whole, maybe stubborn as a little bit, just honest in the midst of it. But I remember, you know, kind of coming to church and, and at first it was kind of a tip, you know, I mean, like if I had 20 bucks in my pocket, you know, maybe I would just like, okay, God, it was a good service. Thank you. And I don't know. I mean, it's just kind of just honoring him. And if I didn't have it, I didn't, you know, um, and it was kind of flowed out of that. And God began to continue kind of growing. And then I thought, well, okay, you know, I should give and, you know, and when we could, we would, which if you've ever given that way, it's usually rarely ever fun. It's like, well, you know, just don't really have any space to give right now. And, and God just continued to convict and convict both Joanne and I, young in our marriage. You know, we came to the place of recognizing, hey, that's not the way this works. I mean, that it's meant to be something that flows out of our life. And so, you know, we really gazed on it and began thinking it through and, and recognizing that what God was longing for was this. And again, just kind of using the same terms to define the this part of it, it's meant to be just simple, consistent faithfulness. Now, we, we think about it that way, and I would say it this way, that it really is meant to be according to our ability. That's what he's going to say in this next verse, that you notice what he says there in verse 3. I bear witness that according to their ability, yes, beyond their ability, they were freely willing. So let's talk about this just briefly. It's, it's kind of one of those things that Bible students will wrestle through. And so the Old Testament standard for giving was 10%. It's often known as the tithe. And so the question for Bible students today is, is that still accurate for us today? Are we still under that same 
uh, percentage. Now, here's what I want to tell you. Hey, good Bible students, wrestle with this, and I'm going to leave it with you to kind of think it through. It's never, you know, gone away with. Jesus would seem to even encourage it at one space when he's talking about the tithe, and he says, hey, these things you should do, but I'm looking for greater things. But the New Testament thing does certainly hold out that it's meant to be connected to our ability, or again, I would say it as a percentage. I think about it in 1 Corinthians when he's talking about it, he says it this way, on the first day of the week, let each one of you lay something aside, storing up as he may prosper, that there be no collections when I come. And I just want you to notice those words, that there's a connection, that as you prosper, it is that, and I'll just say it to you again in the most simple way, I think a percentage is the best way to define that. I think whatever you do and you're giving to the Lord, it should be a, a percentage. Now, let's just, again, talk about this as clearly as we can. Maybe 10% is a good guide for you. Maybe that's a good space that you would say that, that would be there. Maybe you're here this morning, and this is not really something that's been working good in your life, and you're like, man, I don't know if I can do that. I mean, I've got my life in kind of a, a quandary. Can I just tell you, hey, then begin with some percentage. Between you and the Lord, hey, it doesn't have to, I don't know about it. You don't even have to give it here. You're giving it to Him. If you want to give it somewhere else into other ministry, I don't care. That's between you and God. But I do want to say it should be a percentage. So that maybe you say, hey, I can only start with 3% or I can only start with 5%. Well, start. Start because, see, the point of it is going back to the first point. It's a point of saying, God, for everything you give me, I'm going to give you part of it. For everything that you do for me, I'm going to, you know, every dollar that comes in, there's a piece of it I'm going to give back to you to say, God, you gave it to me. So it's meant to be connected so as God blesses you more, that it flows out of that. And so, again, for some of you there, some of you would start at that 10% and you think, hey, I want to go past that. And we'll talk about that a little bit more in a moment. But it's enough to say that there ought to be this space where it is this simple faithfulness that is something that you and God have decided to do and, and you just do it. it. It's not about, hey, it's a good day, it's a bad day, it's, you know, I can, I can't. It's like, no, I always put God first. I always kind of put, put it in there, and God is longing for that kind of space. In fact, there's really not good health outside of that, because again, if we get outside of that, we, we, we move the first principle, which we lose that space of just saying, hey, it's grace. My life is a gift, and so giving gives me that, that way of being able to acknowledge that wow. Well, add to that, not only does He help us to see that, but He highlights again that that's supposed to be freely willing. Notice it there, in verse 3, he says, the fry bear witness that according to their ability, yes, beyond their ability, they were freely willing. This probably needs to be very, very clear. Hey, this isn't a commandment. In fact, he'll say it again down in verse 8. He says, I speak not by commandment. That when we think about what giving is, for giving to actually be what it's meant to be, it has to be free. There is no have to. It's meant to be a get to. In fact, we'll talk more about this in the next chapter, and I'll just tell you this. If you give because you feel like you have to, don't do it. Like, don't, do, why do it? It doesn't mean anything. The, the God doesn't need your money. He's not after it for that reason. He needs you. And so the thing that he's longing for it to be from you is, is God, I, I want to. I want to put you first. I, I, I want to honor you. That all giving is meant to be this place where it is rising from, from not being forced from the outside, not as he's going to talk about it in the next chapter where I'm grudging or feeling like I have to do it. It's like, don't do it. If you feel like this is some obligation, don't. It's meant to be, God, I want to. I, I want to put you first. I want to honor you in the midst of it. It's always meant to be that way. In fact, again, when we talk about it in the next chapter, Paul would say it's, it's supposed to be such a joyful thing that it's, it's almost just overflowing. It's like, I'm so excited that I get to give. I'm so excited that I get to be a part of that, and that would be a wonderful place. I hope it's even close to that for you. If not, I'm inviting you there because it's what it's supposed to be. That's what's supposed to be happening inside of our hearts. Well, with that, it's meant to be intentional. Notice what he says. So he, he lets us know they're doing this and they're giving. And he says there in verse 4 that they were imploring us with much urgency that we would receive the gift and the fellowship of the ministering to the saints. So again, he's using the church, churches in Macedonia, which is the community next to 1 Corinthians as this example. He says, here's what they were doing. 
They were pleading with us. Uh, they were telling us, hey, they, they, they longed for us to do that. And one of the things that's interesting about the giving that God has for us is it really is meant to be intentional. It's not really taken. Now, again, I don't want to be like a, you know, making it weird, but when we think about giving and giving it in a church, it's not that we take up an offering. It's not really supposed to be that. It really is an offering that's meant to be received. In fact, I like the way it was in 1 Corinthians. I don't know if you noticed it a moment ago when we read it. He says, on the first day of the week, let each one of you lay something. Lay something aside, storing up as he may prosper, that there be no collections when I come. Hey, we'll talk about this more as the chapter moves on, but I just want to tell you, uh, God's plan for giving is not that it be coerced out of you. Uh, there really is a dangerous place where offerings are collected that way. It often is, well, it's often human reasoning and manipulation that is not good. God says, I don't want you to give that way. I want you to think about it beforehand. I want you to make this decision beforehand so that when it comes, you're giving it not because it's being taken, it's being given, that these are to be received by those who choose to give. In fact, it's kind of a fun thing. It's like, you could you hear the church here in Macedonia? They're like, please, like, how do I give? Like, get, show me how to do this because I want to be a part of that. He says, that's a beautiful place where it's supposed to arise from you. You know, I think about how we seek to walk in this as a church here at Calvary Roswell, and you probably know, we, we don't uh, collect an offering. We don't pass the plate. That's not wrong. It's not unbiblical. Hey, there's good things that are probably happening in the midst of that, and there's some good things that can happen there, but we don't. You guys probably know, we just put little boxes around the, the offering, offering boxes, sometimes called agape boxes, and said, hey, you know what? You just, you know, whatever the God lays on your heart, you do there. And I got to tell you, for me personally, I love sometimes we have new people come and they're like, how do you give at this church? Like, I can't even figure out how to do that. I mean, I thought there would be some space, you know, it's like, no, you know, it's just, this is, this is just there. And I kind of, that's what I see in this passage, that there is this place where they're like, how do I, I want to? So it's not being coerced or forced. It's just something that you're doing. And if it's going to work in your life, it can only work in your life if it's flowing intentionally from you because it's not being coerced. It's not being gathered or any of those things. Now, I got to be honest with you, as I was preparing this message and heading into this section uh, with a little bit of reluctance, uh, you know, I just kind of was talking to the Lord about it. And I recognize, you know, probably sometimes we, you know, fall on the, on the side of not being as vocal about it as we should. And so, you know, probably if the Lord so leads in it, you know, maybe once a month, I probably should, you know, in our announcements, just say like, hey, if you're curious how we give, that's how we give. You know, you can, you can do it in the boxes, you can do it online, but hey, it's between you and God. And so, hey, maybe we'll do that. But one way or another, we're encouraging something that has to come from you. It has to come from you, and it's meant to come from you. It's meant to come from you being very intentional and saying, hey, I, I, I've decided to do this. I, you know, between the Lord and I, we're working this, and, and this is between me and him, and it's supposed to flow in that way, which is beautiful. It begins to, to flow into something that's really, really good. Now, notice this, what he said there in that same verse, in verse 4. He says, they were imploring us with much urgency, like, please, please, please let us be a part of this, um, that we would receive the gift and the fellowship of the ministering to the, of the saints. Hey, we'll just touch this for a brief moment here because it does so better as the chapter goes on, but let's just be clear. Hey, part of what happens when we give is we are being a part of the body of Christ. We are supplying needs in the body of Christ. So, I mean, in a very practical way, yeah, if you give here, you know, that's what pays for the utilities. That's what pays for salaries. That's what, you know, pays for things that we get to do. That's what gives us the ability to be, invo be involved in missions. And so, you know, we give, you know, uh, to 32 different mission groups out of the giving that comes into this every month, and you get to do a part of that. So there is a space when we give, we're supplying the need uh, of, of God's people. We're meeting that in a dozen different ways, and so there is a fellowship for that. That's important, but it's not the primary space. In fact, the very next thing he says is this. He says, and they did it in verse 5, not only as we had hoped, but they first gave themselves to the Lord and then to us by the will of God. So he lets us know something that's happening here, and he says, okay, here's what they did. They did it right. They, they gave themselves first to God and then to us, then to the ministry, then to the fellowship of the saints, but it was given first to God. Now, I like that, and I want to just take a moment to hold that out to you, and he's going to tell us, hey, this is what God wants. 
He says they did it in the will of God at the end of the verse, and it's just a quick understanding that this is how God wants giving to work, that He is inviting us to, to do it this way. Nevertheless, He lets us know something unique about this church and the way they did it. In verse 5, He says, and not only as we had hoped, but they first gave themselves to the Lord and then to us, which is by the will of God. When He says that they did that, when they gave in a way that uh, was not only as they'd hoped, it isn't the kind of thing that um, saying that they went above and beyond. It's not saying that at all. So please track with me for a moment. What he is saying is that they got it more quickly. Uh, they got it more quickly. Uh, they, they figured out what God had in this better than often people do. Now, let's just talk about this for a moment. Again, I'll use my own life a little bit as, as an example, and yours may be different. Maybe this is you. Maybe you're much like the churches in Macedonia, and from the very first, when you started giving, if you give, it was between you and God, and you were, it was your way of saying, God, I love you. God, I'm, I'm doing this for you. And if that's you, you're great. That's great. That's not how it works for me. I, I'm, I'm the slower one. You know, I'm the slower one. So giving, first of all, I was reluctant. And first of all, you know, I kind of gave reluctantly, and then I gave guiltily, and then I probably gave legalistically, you know, and, and finally God had to get me around to saying, Jim, why are you doing this? I mean, what, is that what the point is? And it's like, no, God, it, it's, it, what, what I'm trying to do is honor you. I mean, what, what giving is meant to be is into a space that God, it, it's, it's my way of saying you're first, and and I love you more than anything else. And, I, you know, maybe, again, you're quick. Maybe you're like the Church of Macedonia. You got that right away. I, I took time. I don't even want to tell you how much time. I don't know how long it was, but I do know this. It wasn't like weeks. It was probably like months, years. I don't know. Uh, just God kind of like, Jim, you're just, your heart's wrong. Like, you need to get to this place where you're, first of all, the first thing that you're thinking about in this is me. Now, I think about it this way. G. Campbell Morgan said, contributions to the work of the Lord are only as valuable as they are gifts to those who are themselves yielded to God. Like if you're not loving God and giving to Him, then they don't have merit. There, there is no space where God's like, well, thanks for the money, you know. And it's like He doesn't need it. If you're giving out of legalism, if you're giving out of, you know, trying to earn something from Him, it, it goes altogether wrong. The space that it's supposed to go is that space of saying that He's first. Now, the reality is this, that's how we're supposed to live our lives. Like God is supposed to be the first thing in our lives. He is supposed to be our first love. Uh, the greatest commandment Jesus said is that we would love him with all of our heart and all of our mind and all of our soul and all of our strength. So when we think about it here, it's supposed to be the same, that it's supposed to be first, that what we give to him is to flow that way. Now, again, I'm kind of just giving you my journey uh, again, that's just not how it started with me. Again, I, I, I was one of the ones that began with kind of tipping God. You know, like if I had anything extra, I gave. And uh, kind of giving them out of the excess, if there ever was excess. And uh, it kind of just began that way. And then God began convicting us. And uh, again, he's like, okay, it's not supposed to be that way through his word. And it's like, okay, we need to get there. And we began to be convinced uh, that, the, that really he's meant to be first. He's supposed to be first in our finances. I'm so slow at this whole thing. So we did, like I did, like the very first check that we wrote was, was gonna be our tithe, but here's how I did it practically. We wrote the check and we'd give it to the church if we could afford it. You know, it's like, okay, well, we're gonna write the check, you know, and God, if, if you'll make it go far enough, you can have it. And it was funny how often it just didn't work. It's like, okay, we tear it up and put the money back in the account. You know, it's like, well, but our heart was there, God, you know. Uh, it kind of had to get us to that place. It's like, that's not giving. I mean, that's not giving. It's not really that place. We came to the place that we recognized, hey, that has to be first. That, that the very first thing that is supposed to be there is giving it to him. And if you can't, again, if you're trying to give above your, your ability right now, then, then don't. Give what you, in the ability and the percentage, but it should flow first. So it's meant to be this space that from the very get-go, the very first thing you do in that is to honor him. Now, I don't know how this works in your life personally. I'm just going to tell you where I am now. It is. I recognize that we live in a technological age and people can, you know, set up, you know, giving on some kind of recurring thing. And if you're doing that, that's fine. If that works for you, good, great. I don't. Uh, I like doing it. I mean, so, you know, we get, you know, our support and our, and our paycheck and it's the first thing I do. 
It's the first thing I do is, is sit down and, and just say, God, you're first. You're first. I mean, the very first thing that's coming out of this is you. The very first thing that's going to come is I want to come and say, I recognize you as the source of my life. I recognize you as the giver of my life, and I am going to put you first in, in everything in my life. And so it's a joy. It's a joyful thing that I get to do that, and it is that. It, it is that space, but it's supposed to be that place where you get to come and say, God, you're number one. You're number one in my life. And by doing that, it gives me that ability to express it. It's supposed to be that way so that it's your way of saying, God, this is just you and I. And I get to say you're more important than anything else. And I recognize you as the giver of my life. And I do that. And I do that in a way that is, in that sense, loving him. It is first giving it to God. It's, it's worship. It's a part of our worship. In fact, let me say it this way. If there's a downside uh, to the way that we, you know, allow, you know, do giving and get tithes and offerings here at this church, this is it. Uh, because it's just between you and God and you put it in the box, there's not really a space that we acknowledge that. Now, honestly, we may change that a little bit or we may add it. You know, one of the things I'm toying with right now is that, you know, maybe at some point in our service, we'll just take a moment just to pray for it and, and just to say, God, we just want to offer it to you. We're offering you our lives, we're offering you our gifts, we're offering you, our, you know, the tithes and offerings that have been given here today. Probably we'll incorporate that somewhere into our service because I am aware that that's worth celebrating, that that's worth just saying, God, that's what we're doing. We're coming to say you're good, and yet it doesn't have to be here. You can do it online, you, but it, again, you don't even have to send it here. Again, I would never know. If you're like, Jim, I'm contributing to the work of God, but I'm sending it over to missions, that's between you and God. You guys talk about that, but I do want it to say, hey, be first. Let it be him be first, because if it's not, if it's not, something's wrong. I mean, if something's not getting it into that space that it is meant to be there, because it's always meant to be first to him, that it flows out of the space that, that we are acknowledging him in the midst of that. Well, go back to it as he says that, reading it again just for context, verse 5. He says, and not only as we had hoped, but they first gave themselves to the Lord. And then to us, by the will of God. So we urge Titus that as he had begun, he would also complete this grace in you as well. We'll talk about that more next time, but Titus is heading over to this church, and he's going to be one that can be a part of receiving those gifts that they're going to take and, and meet the needs there in Judea. But then he says in verse 7, But as you abound in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in all diligence, in your love for us, see that you abound in this grace also. Hey, it's a good reasoning. I mean, maybe it's tongue-in-cheek. I mean, some have kind of thought, well, you know, are they actually doing that well? But he's saying, hey, you're trying to abound in everything else. I mean, you're trying to abound in knowledge. You're trying to grow in knowledge. You want to grow in love. You want to grow in faith. Hey, you should be growing in this as well. You, sh you should seek to abound in this as well. And that changes things a little bit. Can I just encourage you for a moment that whatever giving is in your life, it should be something that you're growing in? It should be something that you're seeking to abound in. It's not meant to be a legalistic thing. If for you, it is legalism, and so maybe you even do the tithe. You're like, 10%, yours. <laughs> it's done. As if somehow I've met the standard, and that's all that God wanted. We need to say, hey, I want to grow in it. So again, here's my encouragement. Hey, you should, this is between you and God, and again, I would encourage you to be a percent. Maybe you would honestly say, Jim, at this point, again, I'm in a place, I'm going to put God first, but I'm only going to be able to give, you know, 3%. Fine. Do it every time. Put Him first every time. Give that every time, and then say, God, I want to grow. I want to grow. I, I, I want to grow. Maybe, maybe, we'll, maybe next year we'll go up to five, and maybe after that, I mean, maybe someday we'll meet 10, but if you meet 10, it doesn't mean you're done. It might, you might, like, God, I'd love to give away more. Hey, I know a few people who give away half. I mean, they're like, okay, I get to give away half of what comes in. I, I've read stories of a couple of people that flipped it into reverse, and they give away 90% and live on 10. All I'm going to say is grow in it. Now, we seek to do that a little bit as a church. So for us as a, as a church, years ago, when we were trying to figure out how to be managers of what God gave us here, again, some I'll talk about next time, uh, we really felt like, hey, the church is a family. So we thought the way we'd handle our finances would be like a family. So our servant board that oversees our, our finances, 
you know, said, okay, the first thing we want to do is tithe, you know, and so we began to say that would be missions for us, and so years ago, we said, okay, 10% of everything that comes in here goes off to missions, but we didn't see that as like the, the okay, that's the standard. No, every year we like, can we give away more? And, and so we'd increase it to 11%, and then we increased it to 12%, and then we went up to 15%, and today we're at 21%, you know, where we're saying, hey, it, we, we just would like to give away more, you know, because we want to grow. There ought to be a sense in your life that you don't look at this as something, oh God, I, I've met the standard. It's some legalistic thing. It's like, God, I want to be involved in your work. Is there anywhere else that you would want me to do that? Is, is, is there a missionary you're wanting me to take on? Is there something I could do? God, as you would bless me, I want to bless others. And, and, and it becomes a place that is never meant to be a static thing. If it's a static thing, then it's a legalistic thing. If it's a static thing in your life, it's something that you thought is a standard instead of saying, God, I want to abound. You know, again, I could say it to you this way. For some of you, you want to abound in faith. You're like, I want to trust God more. And you want to abound in love. It's like, I want to, I, yeah, I, I'm glad to love God. I'd like to love Him more. You know, I want to love people more. He says, well, you, you're abounding in knowledge. You're abounding in faith. You're abounding in love. Hey, this falls into that same category. It ought to be something that you say, God, I want to grow. I want, I want to be someone that, that is continuing to grow in this, and so he invites us to that. Then he gives us one more thing that we'll cover this morning. He says in verse 8, he says, I speak not by commandment, but I am testing the sincerity of your love by the diligence of others. Testing, gauging, being able to, to, to shine that. Well, that goes back to kind of where we began, that our giving is really a gauge it's a test. We'll even just use the idea of a speedometer. It's not the best, probably maybe tachometer would be better, but again, speedometer will work for most of you. So you know what a speedometer is, right? It's that number that you don't pay attention to in your car. No, just kidding. Um, it's that thing that as you're driving your car tells you how fast you're going. It doesn't make you go that fast. It just reveals how fast you're going. It, you can look down there and say, oh, I'm going that fast. The idea is our giving is that. Our giving is a gauge. It's, it's a tachometer, a speedometer that says, I wonder how I'm doing. I wonder how I'm doing. I, I wonder where my life is. What Jesus is telling us is that it really is defining that. He simply said where your treasure is, where, where that is in your life, that's where your heart is. Yeah, that if you want to know kind of how things are going, you can look here and it will be an accurate representation of that. Now, that's helpful because it invites us not just to live by our gut, not just to be like you're driving down the road and think, well, I think I'm going fast enough. I don't feel like I'm going too fast. You know, try that. Try that to a police officer. It just felt right. I didn't feel like I was going fast. It's like, well, that's not going to work. I mean, it's like, I, so I want to know. I want to know kind of how I'm doing. He says, hey, then you get to look into this and see. See what? It's not just the amount. It's everything we just said. If your giving is right, your heart is reflective that you're, you're living your life in grace. It's like, God, everything I have is from you. And I, the way I handle my money shows that to be true. Um, it, you know, it shows how I do that, that I'm doing it simply, willingly, because I want to. I don't have to. If you're giving right, your heart reveals that. Now, again, you could give wrong. You could give legalistically. You could give a lot legalistically, and God would be like, I didn't want it. I wanted you to want to give it. I want you to do that. It's intentional. It's joining in the fellowship of the saints. It's first to him. But the how you handle this is more reflective of your heart than almost anything else, which is so helpful because we're so good at kind of either being too hard on ourselves or too soft on ourselves more often. But Jesus simply says, you want to see where you are? Look at your giving. Look at how it's being reflected there. That is an accurate representation of your heart. If it's joyful and willing and God, I love you and you're doing it because you love him, hey, it's a good sign. It's a good sign that other things are there. If it's not there, it's not the giving that's going to change it. It's you that needs to change. If you're there and you're like, man, I'm, I, I, don't, I don't enjoy it. It's not willing. 
I don't want to, I'm not loving God, then that's what you need to go and work on. And then say, okay, as I get that right, I'm gonna watch this speedometer. I'm gonna watch this place that would kind of show where my heart is because it's showing me a bit of, of what God is doing. Now, Paul does this, God does this here, and he says it a couple ways. He says, I speak not by commandment. I mean, you don't have to do this, it's gotta be willing. But I am testing, engaging, checking, giving you a way to test the sincerity, the reality of your love by the diligence of others. So there is a sense that we can see what God does in others that can inspire us. Now, I don't want to spend much time on this except to say this isn't the idea of measuring ourselves. In fact, he'll say it in just a couple chapters in 2 Corinthians. We're not those who compare ourselves among ourselves. We're not those who, you know, kind of find my, 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 my weight and bearing by comparing myself to people. At the same moment, seeing what other people do is meant to inspire. That's what he's done. He said, I want to tell you what others are doing. I want to tell you this church in Macedonia, boy, they're so excited to give. And if you could see their example, boy, it could inspire you. It's meant to inspire you. But if that wasn't big enough, he takes us to the largest possible thing that would help us to see it. Go back and see it again, verse 8. I speak not by commandment, but I am testing the sincerity of your love by the diligence of others. For you know, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that you through his poverty might become rich. Wow. So he's inviting you and I to see giving in light of Christ, in light of what he's done. And that's, boy, there's no easy way to, I mean, in one verse, it is so massive. We see the greatest giver who ever lived, the most generous person who ever has existed offering the most costly gift that could ever be given, bringing about the greatest result that could ever be. Jesus, who had everything. It gives us a a, a glimpse into his life that, once more, it didn't begin there in Bethlehem. No, he's God. He's God in his entirety, in his eternity, and he had everything. He enjoyed all the privileges of that, and yet he humbled himself and became a man to die on the cross for us, giving his life for us, the greatest sacrifice ever, so that we, who are poor, and we are poor, we are immeasurably spiritually broke, we have nothing, all of our righteousness is filthy rags. If he hadn't done that, that's where we would have stayed, but he did that and now has made us rich that he's brought us into that favor that's in Christ, into that wonder that's in him. So what do you do with that? Well, there's obviously no sense that he's going to say, well, you should give like Jesus gives. You'll never give like Jesus gave. But you are to live your life in light of it. If you can see what others have done, but you see what Jesus is, it's this place that's like, I, you know, the one who gave everything, that's how I give. I, I, I give in response to who he is. I give in response to the the greatest glory, to the greatest giver, giving the greatest gift, giving the most. That's what I do. I'm living my life in light of him. That I'm living my life in light of who he is. Hey, I think that's kind of where we want to just circle for a few moments, and we'll pull it to a close there this morning. But I want you to think through it again. See, we're talking about giving, certainly. We're talking about how our lives would respond to that. But obviously, again, it's taking us into the very fabric of everything that it is, that we think about it right now where he is calling us and saying, hey, you get to see this incredible, generous grace that is Christ in all that he is. And I want to remind you again in this one verse, in such an incredibly compact way, he covers so much. He reminds us of who we are, that we are those who outside of Christ have nothing. If you're here this morning and you don't know him, then I just need to tell you this is true. That God is bringing you to a place that he would help you to understand that you are poor in spirit. That when it comes to righteousness, comes to worthiness, comes to an ability to to earn your way to heaven, you're not just lacking, you're broke. Like you have nothing. There's not anything inside of you that makes it so that you should get to deserve to go to heaven. If you would come and say, but Jim, I try. I try to do some good things. I've, you know, I've helped out at, at, at the community kitchen or I've served with the Salvation Army. Well, the Bible tells us that our sinfulness messes all of that up, that all of our righteousness is as filthy rags because we're prideful and sinful and selfish. Everything that we even do 
doesn't count. So if you were looking at it as some kind of place where people do like a scale of right and wrong, and you were going to put on the scale all that you have that makes you worth it, that makes you worthy, can I just tell you there's nothing there. There's not anything inside of you. There's not any space that you earn God's favor. If this is how you're going to be judged, then your only hope is hell. Your only hope is because you don't deserve anything else. That is who we are. If you don't know Jesus, part of that is just beginning recognizing that's where you stand right now in great need. If you know Jesus, it's a reminder. Hey, that's where I came. That's how I, I come to him not, not on my own merit, not on my own worth. I get to come and say, no, I am that one who was poor, that he could take me in this poverty and, and, and make me rich. But that's exactly what Christ has done. Christ who had everything who is glorious in his person and in place. He humbled himself, became man, died on the cross, so that in that giving of his life, in that surrendering of himself, he could change it. He would take us who have nothing and make us immeasurably rich, bring us into the kingdom of God, bring us in to be a part of his family, bring us in to be a part of, of who he is. And, and I just want to tell you, that's amazing. It, it, to, to see that right now, and if you, again, you're here this morning and you're outside of that, then we're telling you that's what Jesus is. Jesus is this one who gave himself, though he was rich, for your sake, because he saw you, he became poor. He humbled himself, died on the cross, so you could become rich, and that's possible today. That is possible right now where you are, that God would meet you and, and rescue you and draw you to life even now. And if that's you today, we're pleading with you for it. If you're here this morning and you're a follower of Jesus, then it just does you good to hear it again. Do you know that's where you are? Do you know where, 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 where your life honestly is? That you were broke, had nothing, he gave everything to make you something. He did everything to bring you into the life that you have so that all that you have is because he's been good. Again, that, that, that would reflect our whole life. It certainly would reflect how we give if we really believe this. If we really believe that, that that's how it works, then it would change our life. Again, for some, that just doesn't look like you at all. Maybe you actually give here. Maybe you give a bunch here. I'm not trying to you know, mock that, but I'll tell you, if you see yourself as, well, you know, kind of helping God out, you know, he needs me, you know, and I'm, I have stuff to give, you know, and I'm giving because I'm so, then you're giving wrong. It's not pleasing to him and we don't need it. It, it. But if you're able to come and say, God, I have nothing. Everything I have is you. You've given me everything and I'm living my life in response to the, 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 the who you are, that the cross, that the gospel, it shapes my whole life. It isn't something that is just kind of a Sunday morning thing. It isn't just the moment I got saved. It shapes how I live my life. I live my life so that everything I am is reflected in the gospel. So that how I handle my time, how I handle my money, how I handle, it's like, I, it's the gospel. It, it's me who was poor that he gave everything. And so that's, my whole life is now lived with this. That you should be able to look and say, so how I handle my job and how I handle my family and how I handle my money, it reflects the gospel. It reflects that which I believe. And, and it's supposed to be that way. And it's a beautiful space if it's so. That he would rescue you from that, bring you into this space where the gospel would so transform your, your very fabric of your life that you would say, okay, everything I am is reflected in this. That you could look at my life and say, I believe the gospel. I believe this. I believe that you know the generous grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Though he was rich for your sakes, he became poor. So that you, by his poverty, he could make you rich. Wow. That's where we're going to close. So you can close your Bibles, notebooks, wherever that is. And let's just take a moment. And I'm going to give you a moment to pray. Maybe it's, again, that space for you to surrender your life to this. That you're outside of this entirely. The Bible's clear. If you believe upon Jesus, you could be saved. It's not something you can do. You can't earn your way there. You just need to believe it. And we cry out today that you would. Leaving you in God's hands. Again, I'm just bringing you individually where you are. And so certainly we're talking about our money. We're talking about giving. But not because it's really the money. 
is really our hearts. We're really saying, okay, do I believe the gospel? Do I, do I, does it change the way I live my life? And I love that we're on a journey. It's a real journey. And your journey with this is yours. How God has brought you and taken you in these steps, let him take you. I know where it's going. I know he's wanting you to be where you would come to be someone who just willingly and joyfully as a part of his kingdom and whatever he has. And wherever you are in that journey, I just invite you to recognize it and then just say, God, continue growing it. To, to be that person that I want to grow, to be the person he wants me to be. I want it to be that, that my heart, my, my money reflects the gospel and, and all that I really believe. And, and so that it would be so becomes joyful, real. So you take a moment, talk to him about that. I'll do the same. And then we're going to come back and close together in worship and prayer in just a moment. God, we think about just the wonder of the gospel and, Jesus, what you did for us. And no matter how many times we try to look at it, we never get close enough to even see it in its full magnitude. But even through this window that you invite us to see it, that, Jesus, you and your great riches and all that you are humbled yourself, became poor, that we, through your poverty, might become rich. Jesus, you're amazing. You're, you're amazing, and if, it, what, if you hadn't done that, there would be nothing for us. We're going to come and worship you, acknowledging who you are, and then just ask, Lord, would you help us to really believe it? And it would change the way we live our lives, that our lives would be lived in the grace of God as a gift, as, as for you, and, and that, Lord, you would just continue to help that to flow out of everything we are, how we handle our time, how we handle our money, how we handle our relationships. God, you know the journey you have for us on this, and I thank you for what you have done. But help us to grow. Help us to, be, to, to grow in, in heart, in joy, in all that you are and all that you have. You see us in that, and simply asking right now that you would grow us in that together as we thank you for your good grace in this right now. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.